the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. the Nick D Podcast. Hello, my name is Nick DiGilio. I am your host. We are on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the greatest podcast network in the world. Lots of stuff here at Radio Misfits that you need to check out. Incredible podcasts of varying styles and information and entertainment. They're funny, they're informative, they're mysterious, they're cool as hell. And there is also a 24-hour free streaming service that you can tune into right now live 24-7. It's like radio, only much, much cooler. You'll hear unheard music from bands that have been unsigned from the Unheard Music Show. Lots of incredible music and interspersed with some of the best episodes of the best podcasts in the world from Radio Misfits. Uh, That's radiomisfits.live for your 24-hour streaming service that is free and that is awesome. You can hear this podcast every day at 3 p.m. Central and you can hear my other podcast, which is all about Saturday Night Live. That show hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast. You can hear that broadcast every day at 9 a.m. Central. So my two podcasts broadcast every day, along with a ton of other great podcasts and really cool music. That's radiomisfits.live. Mark it, listen to it, and, uh, and love it. Free, 24-7 streaming service. It's awesome. Radiomisfits.live. Welcome to the Nick D Podcast, episode 199. 199. We're one episode away from 200, if I, my, my math is correct, and I think it is. It's a For the People episode because it is the first Tuesday of December. The first Tuesday of the month means it's for the people. That means it's for you. If you have concerns or questions or comments or things that are, uh, that are concerning you about the world of consumerism, which every day you have to encounter that, is your money safe? How do I keep my money safe? What do I buy? How do I do that? How do I stay safe in this tricky world of scam artists and money situations that could be questionable and weird? Well, we have the man, and his name is Herb Weisbaum. He's the consumer man, and also on For the People every month, we are joined by Tom Appel. If you have concerns about your car, questions about automotive stuff, you're looking to buy or you're looking to lease, you're looking to repair, any and all car-related and automotive-related questions, he is the man, and he is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and Tom Appel is going to join us. Herb, Tom, For the People, for you, it's awesome every month. My dad is going to stop by and tell a joke, as he does on uh, every Tuesday. So that's all coming up uh, and, uh, and more. Listen, if you want to be a part of this podcast, all you got to do is call our voicemail line with any questions for Tom or Herb or any of our other great regular guests that we have on where we cover the world of entertainment. We've got movies. We've got books. We've got theater. We've got wrestling. We've got music. We've got a lot of food that we talk about. Uh, all kinds of stuff. You want to leave a voicemail 24-7. It's open for you. We encourage you to call. We want you to call. And leave any voicemail message you want 24-7 right now. 773-417-6948. Call now. If you want to leave an email, drop us an email with questions or comments or contributions or suggestions. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. I listen to every voicemail. I read every email. And then we play some of them back and read a lot of them on the podcast. So voicemail us anytime. 773-417-6948. 
4848. Email us anytime, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. What if you would like to be a sponsor? Well, we want you to be a sponsor. We want you to advertise on this on this uh, podcast. Lots of people listen to this podcast, so it will be good for you, good for your business, good for advertising. Sponsor with us. Say, hey, I would like to sponsor. I would like to advertise on the Nick D Podcast. Do that by sending a note to sales at radiomisfits.com, sales at radiomisfits.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sound and the themes and all the cool, crazy stuff. Ed Silla's the man in charge, and he rules. He does everything else. Please take the time to share us, rate, and review us on every platform and give back our feedback and uh, listen to us everywhere on every platform possible. It's the Nick D Podcast. So, uh, well, you know who lives on my back porch. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Hi, I'm Carrie uh, Russell, and I love Nick's show. From what I understand, she's getting ready for the holidays. I don't know. Maybe she is. Maybe she isn't. All right. Anyway, my dad will come by, tell a joke at the end of the 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 episode, and it is episode number 199, and it's going to be a fun one. It's for the people. That means it's for you. Uh, Herb Weisbaum is going to join us because he's a consumer man and he's going to join us right after I tell you all about a book that you should read or an audio book that you should listen to. It's fantastic. It's awesome. And I love telling you about it on uh, every episode. Hey there. Are you tired of that same old, the same old stories? Well, buckle up because Brian Alaspas Devoured. Yeah, that's right. Brian Alaspas Devoured is about to take you on a wild ride. St. Louis is teetering on the edge with riots, unrest, and the mayor's downright stubborn insistence that the 4th of July must go on. But don't tell that to public safety manager Logan Field. He's got problems bigger than the most overcooked barbecue. With a deadly attack, a missing boy, and mysterious events that make your Aunt Sally's ghost stories look like a fairy tale, something sinister is brewing in the city. Logan's at his wit's end. The only help he can find is a struggling hunter and a professor who's a whiz with ancient evils. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, right? But there's nothing funny about what's awakening in St. Louis. So join the race against time as this unlikely trio faces down an evil as old as time itself. Think your commute's tough? Try saving a city from being, you guessed it, devoured. Brian Alaspa's Devoured will have you laughing and gasping and frantically flipping pages. So grab some popcorn, turn down those lights, and dive into a world where saving the city just might be the craziest 4th of July ever. And trust us, it's more exciting than a sparkler, and the only thing that might get burned is the midnight oil as you read till dawn. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Thrilling, chilling, and the perfect way to spice up your summer. It's available now in paperback for Kindle exclusively through Amazon.com. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jagoff. Herb Weissbaum is the Consumer Man. Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming the Consumer Man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. He's not just your man. He's our man. He's my man. (laughs) Herb Weissbaum has been helping out the consumers for, man, a long time and been a part of my old radio show and a part of this podcast since the very first time I did a podcast, and I appreciate that. Herb, it's part of the For the People episode. Let's talk to Herb Weissbaum, our consumer man. Hi, Herb. 
Hi, and Nick. Good to talk to you again. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Always a great time to talk to you. It's always important. Before we jump in, uh, tell everybody how long you've been helping the consumer world. It's always amazing to me that you've been doing this for such a long Over time and doing years. such a great job. How long? Over 40 years. I mean, I lost count, but it's 40 uh, over 40 years. Isn't that amazing? And uh, I've seen some of the oldest scams. I did the first Nigerian scam when they actually uh, yes. sent from Nigeria. Yeah, <laughs> I have that in my collection with a stamp from Nigeria. Hold on. To- oh, wait a minute. See, I'm sorry. Let's let's go back to this for just a second. Collection. What does that mean? You have col- you have stuff dating back 40 years from all the times. So do you have you have a collection of consumer scams and issues and things like that that you collect that you kept over the years? Yes, it's called Herb's Hall of Shame. <laughs> is, that what, <laughs> is that what you call it, Herb? Yeah. Yes, and I have the amazing satellite dish that lets you get cable TV that didn't. It was a set of rabbit ears with a little dish put on the front. Oh and I God. have the, uh, the Miracle uh, Culinaire, uh, not a Cuisinart, which was a grinding <laughs> a chopper that actually, as a French chef said to me, squished. It squished the food. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, oh, I have a wrist. I have a watch that was. Why is this watch only being sold for two dollars? This is not a misprint. This was a full page ad in USA Today. It was because the hands were painted on. It was ten after ten. <laughs> oh, you're kidding me? Are you serious? That's why it was two dollars. Uh, I was accurate twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they say. Even a, even a, even a, a a clock that a broke clock is right twice a day. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, just absolutely. I, you know, I got these cow magnets that you put in your car to get better gas mileage. I got it's amazing. This collection. Hey, uh, listen, you need to tour the country with this thing, Herb. Well, I think this I, is I, I think this is a, this is a money making thing. I think we could make a little cash on this. <laughs> I would like an invitation to one of Nick's live things. And yeah, I you come to one of my come to one of my Zanies events in the future. Bring the collection of scams from the... Do you know how awesome that would be to see that stuff? That would be... Fa- I would I would pay money to go to an exhibit like that. All right. You buy me a pizza. I want a Giordano's pizza and I'll you, come talk to you. You got it, my friend. You got it. Oh, I got to see this stuff in this... Yeah. Coll- that collection sounds fascinating and awesome and cool. I would love to see that stuff. Okay. We'll make it happen. Yeah. And by the way, where do you keep it and how does your wife feel about that? Well, I actually have some of it in a file cabinet. I actually have a uh, beautiful uh, cabinet in my office here where I'm talking to you from that I have good stuff. I have my actual collection of memorabilia from all the toy fairs I covered back in New York City. Oh, over there, that's fun. Which that's are, fun. Some of them are like one of a kind. You can only get it to it. And then the bottom shelf is all the crap. <laughs> all the crap. I got all you. This, put... All the bad stuff that they've sold. Man, oh, I, man. I, have a, I have a mini electronic piano that was only twelve ninety five. And it's a little kid's toy piano. That actually, it's a dollar, and uh, that. But they were selling that all across the country, making a fortune off of this thing. So it's they're actually fun, except people actually got ripped off by uh, it. Right. Well, you know what? You know, it, and it, could you do this? Could you do this for me, Herb? Mm-hmm. Can you take a couple of pictures and just send them to me on my phone? Because I just want to see some of the stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe absolutely. we can post it. We can post it on links when we post the when we post the episode of the podcast. Maybe we can like Herb's Hall of Shame, and we can post a couple of pictures because I'm sure. sure people would. I'm sure people would love to see this stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. So. I'm looking forward to it already. So, yeah. uh, so tell everybody uh, where you uh, where you do your thing now. Checkbook.org is one of the places that you that you do reports for, and people yep. can check out consumerman.com. But tell us about Checkbook.org. 
Sure, it's a nonprofit, very unique. Uh, I, sh that's, uh, I shouldn't say that my English teacher would be upset with me. It's unique uh, because uh, we're a nonprofit that uh, we don't get any money from uh, advertisers or companies. We just uh, do ratings of services all across the country, and uh, we uh, tell it like it is. We're in seven major U.S. cities, and I'll give you a link uh, so your subscribers can get a free 30-day trial uh, later awesome. on. Awesome. But uh, So we have people in all these cities, and our subscribers rate them, and uh, we do everything from dentists and doctors to vets and uh, 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 plumbers and electricians. And if it's a service, so we rate it. And then I do the generic general consumer reports that warn you about ripoffs and scams and how to save money and that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, and it's a great, it's great. Check it out. Checkbook.org. And a little bit later on in the, uh, in the podcast here during the segment, uh, Herb will give you a link where you can take advantage of, uh, uh, of free, of free things, which is always truly a good free. Thing. Truly, truly, truly free. free. By the truly way, free. I also host our Consumerpedia podcast, which is a real thrill to do. I do my own podcast and it's a lot of interesting consumer information at consumerpedia.org. Consumerpedia.org. If you want to check out the podcast, how often does it drop and how many episodes is it once a week? Every other week, and we've done, uh, I'm just working on 53 right now. 53, man, all right. Which isn't even close to where you are, but, you I'll know. I'll tell you, I'll, I can tell you, Herb. And I'm older than you. <laughs> I can tell you what, I can tell you what's going on here, Herb, because we are, uh, this is a very, this is a very important episode because it's, this is episode number 199, Herb. Whoa, okay. Yes. Okay. So, uh, the Friday episode that will drop this week, episode 200. Congratulations, Thank Nick. you. Thank you. I didn't think I'd get past three. So and, all those, and all of those school teachers in Chicago who told you you'd not amount to a hill of beans. Yeah, that's they, they, totally wrong. That's right. They still believe that, though. I can tell you that right now. Well, anyway, but thank you for being a part of them. Uh, 199 episodes and... Uh, you know, you've been every once a month. You and Tom Appel are my are my two are two of my favorite guys in the world, and I love for the people, and so do the people. They love it, Thank you. Thank you. helping people out. So, Herb, you're awesome. All right, so we're here. We got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Let's first talk about water beads. Now, for people who might not know what this is, this is a story that you covered on Checkbook, and you reported. Um, and I've got you know we're going to have like an audio clip and everything. This is an important story. Let's let's hear about what are water beads, what's going on, why is it important for Checkbook.org and you to report on it. Yeah, really important because kids are getting hurt and one child at least has died from this. Water beads are these colorful little balls that resemble candy. And that's part of the problem because they don't look dangerous. They're, they're nice and soft and colorful. And what they do is they absorb water and then they can become the, like these little flecks that are you put on sprinkles on ice cream. That's what they look like, the size. They can turn into yeah. a golf ball size. Yeah. And they were originally designed for people to either decorate with or to put in the flower in their vases and stuff so that it would suck up the water and hold the water and keep the, the plant moist. But some genius decided to turn this into a toy, and they're being sold by all kinds of manufacturers. A lot of them are coming in from China, so it's not one specific name that parents need to watch out for. It's the topic of toys, the, the category called water beads. And the super polymers that, that do this, and they can grow to 50 or 100 times or more their size, as I said. Kids are swallowing them or putting them in their ears. Then they blow up. With the ears, they have to do surgery in many cases because they get in the uh, hearing canal. And for swallowing them, when they blow up, they can either cause uh, the, the breathing problems or they can cause blockage of the intestines, which requires surgery. According to the Consumer Product Safety Commission, they estimate that between 2016 and 20. 
2022, 7,800, 7,800 children across the country who ingested water beads had to be rushed to the hospital, to the oh, emergency man. room. Man. Uh, in many cases, surgery was required to remove the blockage. And one death that we know of has been linked to water beads, a 10-month-old baby in North Prairie, Wisconsin. So this is really serious. I really want parents and grandparents uh, to, to be aware of this. Uh, if it's in the house, get rid of it. And if it's on your shopping list, please don't buy it for your kids. It's. I'm looking at the pictures. How can this be? I mean, they're colorful. They look like candy. They look like you know children's toys. And especially like really uh, sort of distracting is that how colorful and fun and maybe tasty they look. It's really dangerous. This thing I'm looking at. Yeah, and and while they're required to have a label on it that warns parents not to buy them for children younger than three because it could be a choking hazard, there's no specific warning about what can happen if the child swallows them and they blow up. And emergency room doctors can't always spot the problem uh. because water beads may not show up on x-rays. So I want to share with you a little personal story. Uh, a wonderful mother who has started an organization, she's now known as that water bead lady, who had a, a tragedy with her daughter, and she decided she wanted to do something about it and warn parents across the country. Her name is Ashley Haugen. She's a 32-year-old mom of two in San Antonio, Texas, who doesn't want any other kids to get hurt by this. Her 13-month-old daughter, Kipley, nearly died after eating some water beads, and Ashley remembers how terrifying that was. Take a listen. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. We didn't know that she had swallowed anything until the surgeon came and showed us the picture of what he had pulled out of her small intestine, which was water beads. Ashley and her husband bought the water beads for their older daughter. And because it posed a choking hazard for Kipley, they made sure it was used in a separate play area. Kipley was not allowed near them or to play with them. But here's the problem with this toy. Imagine little pieces of glitter with the bouncing power of a Super Bowl. And that's a water bead. They get everywhere into every nook and cranny. And you can clean up and do a wonderful job at cleaning up. And they get missed and you don't even realize it. The package of water beads the Haugens bought for their older daughter said the product was non-toxic. Ashley told me that gave them a false sense of security that someone had checked to make sure the product was safe. And after Kipley's surgery, everybody, including the doctors and, you know, our, our family, we thought, OK, this is a close call, but she's going to be fine now. She just needs to heal from the surgery and she's going to be OK. And that is not what happened. Kipley stopped answering to her name consistently. She had had this rash on her mouth that disappeared, but then she started having rashes in other parts of her body that were very severe. She didn't like the same foods anymore. Her personality changed. She wasn't sleeping the same way anymore. So the Halgans took Kipley to a developmental pediatrician who told them their toddler had toxic brain encephalopathy caused by chemicals in the water beads. It was terrifying. I want parents to know that the term non-toxic is unregulated. And according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, health experts are concerned about the chemical used to make water beads, acrylamide. A neurotoxin was shipped to my house disguised as a non-toxic tool. That's not okay. In August of 2022, Ashley Haugen started a nonprofit, that water bead lady, to educate parents about the dangers of water beads and to advocate for a ban on the toys. I want parents to know that good parenting cannot fully prevent injuries from hazardous products. I want them to know that the same water beads 
that poisoned and injured Kipley can be purchased right now. So that was a clip from an audio report that I have embedded with our story on waterbeads on checkbook.org. This happened to Kipley a number of years ago, and you can see how emotional Ashley is every time she talks about it, which is heartbreaking to hear her talk about this. Uh, Kipley probably has uh, uh, developmental uh, problems and motion problems, possibly for the rest of her life because these things are toxic. Mm-hmm. And that's so bizarre. I, di- I didn't realize, you know, it, non-toxic is on these pra- packages. A lot of them are coming from China and it's not regulated and it doesn't mean it's non-toxic. It means somebody just put non-toxic on there. Uh, and from what we can tell and the work is being done, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, looks like these are toxic. So not only is it the the problem that it blows up inside the kid, but it also can poison them at the same time. So really serious problem. Man, that is unbelievable. And, and, uh, and how are these, do you know, I mean, do you talk about this? uh, How are they advertised? How, I mean, are they advertised for adults? Are they geared, you know, is it, I mean, do they go out of their way to say, Hey, that kids should not play with these things or these are advertised as children's toys and you'll find them everywhere. If you Google water beads, you'll find them everywhere. And there was a recall uh, last year, I believe it was, uh, Target was selling them, and some kid got hurt, and uh, Target uh, did a recall and stopped selling them. But these are every place. They're coming in from China. You can buy them online. And uh, the mo- so the, the, the plan here is, from consumer advocates who are pushing this, is that these things have to be banned. And the thought is that the fastest way to do that, believe it or not, is through legislation versus a rulemaking by the Consumer Product Safety Commission because that just takes so dang long. So a congressman from New Jersey, Frank Pallone Jr., Democrat from New Jersey, introduced uh, just before Thanksgiving the Ban the Water Beads Act, which, if passed, would direct the CPSC to prohibit the sale of water beads marketed for the use by children. Even the CPSC chair told me that he supports this way of going because it would tell them you have to do this and it would get done a lot more quickly than waiting for the regulatory process to happen. I sure hope, you know, Congress does nothing, but this is like Republican family kids and Democrat family kids are getting hurt by this. This is like a nonpartisan issue. I sure hope Congress can do something and pass this because it really would get things done a whole lot more quickly. It's nice to see um, that a Democrat from Illinois, a representative Robin Kelly, is on board for this. I like to see that Illinois is represented. I like to see Illinois, somebody in Illinois doing something that uh, that is that is important. That's nice. And the key point uh, was made to me by safety as advocates is. No amount, as Ashley said, no amount of parenting can can control this. Ashley's older sister, I mean, excuse me, Kipley's older sister used this in another play area. Kipley was never allowed in that area. They always cleaned up. These little tiny beads stick there everywhere. I mean, parents have said they found them like in their cars years later. I mean, it's it's like she said, glitter that bounces. It's like a Super yeah. Bowl. And the other thing is, and I didn't realize until I did this, if you have a pet in the house, you know, the dog or cat could swallow these things, could blow up in their system, and you would have no idea what was going on. So these are a threat to both people and to animal members of the family. If if you have them, please get rid of them. They, they're just too much of a danger. And if you see them, no matter what your kid says, please don't buy them for the holiday season. It's just too big of a risk. And and you will be following it. You yourself and people at checkbook.org will be following this this bill, uh, obviously, as, as as it's proposed and, to, and whatever progress is made on it. Yes. And and by the way, if there are stores listening, please don't sell this. You know, if you're a good retailer in a good store, please don't sell this. There are plenty of other toys you can sell the kids that aren't going to kill them or, or injure them or send yeah. them to the hospital. Yeah. So I, it's I, just- I, I think that I think that two minute clip we played should be enough for people to go. Yeah, we don't need to sell these. I think yeah. that's enough. I think that story alone, that woman's story alone, is enough to convince someone not to buy these, not to sell them. I mean, that sounds like uh, just logic to me. You know. Yeah.
hopefully so okay and what to do and all that stuff and there's also there there are links to other things like you talk about the consumer reports there's more info available um at the bottom of the uh, of the article where there are more links and stories and more information and but if you want more information and that interview again is embedded into the into the into the article itself it's at, and that's at checkbook.org yep. and it's uh and the the article um is water beads pose deadly danger uh to children and uh and herb the consumer man wrote that one and uh, make sure you check it out. An important, uh, important story, and um, and take heed, take the warning uh, that we're giving you. Absolutely, and yeah. share the story with people. If you have, you know, if you have kids, grandkids, whatever, have families with daycare, share this with them, and let. Uh, we've got to get the word. That's the whole goal, Ashley. To talk to me, we've got to get the word out and stop more kids from getting hurt. Right. Okay. Water beads, not good. Um, so check it out at checkbook.org. All right. Uh, you know, um, we, we want holiday safety. We want uh, people to have safe and fun toys. And obviously we're going to be purchasing toys for kids and giving out gifts and stuff like that. We want everybody to be safe. But there's also, uh, you know, during holiday shopping, Herb, this is really uh, at the time of year when the scammers and when the bad people really have a field day because everybody is shopping online. People are doing things and spending a lot of money. And with that come the scams and with that comes danger. So how how do people safely shop online for the holidays? What are some of the tips that you guys have? And by the way, I, I did a check, and according to the Federal Trade Commission, U.S. consumers reported losing $358 million to online scams last year. That is just the tip of the iceberg. It has got to be a lot bigger, but you know, because everybody doesn't bother to report it. But we're talking about a significant, uh, serious problem. Well, uh, and, and the bad guys are really good. I mean, they have gotten so good at what they do with creating the uh, fake uh, social media ads, the fake websites, the better looking phishing email. Uh, as we've talked about before, AI, artificial intelligence is going to make it a lot easier for them to craft these kind of bogus things because AI will make sure they're using proper English. You know, the old tip about if it's bad English or bad syntax or whatever, that those days are gone. The AI will make sure it corrects all that. The first uh, a common trick is to create a fake website that's really often indistinguishable from the real one because they actually steal everything from the real site and just make their own as a copycat site. And then what they'll do is they'll run ads on social media. So sometimes it'll be ads. Sometimes they'll uh, hack somebody's social media account and try to share, hey, look what I just found online. And then people pass it around and that kind of thing. Typically, it's a high demand item at a ridiculously low price. Uh, so they're trying to reach you out and get to there. They want you to get on that website. Sometimes you'll follow, follow on by yourself. And then they want your personal information. As you know, Nick, they want credit and debit card number and maybe more uh, personal information. If you're dealing with these scammers, in almost every case, they either don't send anything or sometimes they will ship something and it's a counterfeit good, which could be dangerous because it doesn't meet safety regulations in the U.S. Or it's stolen merchandise and you're helping criminals or possibly funding terrorist organizations or whatever. So that's the, the reason why you've got to pay attention and make sure you're, you're shopping carefully. The Better Business Bureau just came out with a survey that I included in the story for Checkbook. And those uh, about they talked to people who reported losing money to online shopping scams. And they reported that, Nick, that the biggest motivator what made them click what made them get on that site follow the link in the ad or whatever was the price it was yeah. well below the going rate especially in a popular item which should be a red warning flag not a click this link flag it should be a why in the world is this retailer you know selling this popular game system that i can't reach anywhere else and it's a hundred dollars cheaper than anybody else right. you know alarm bell should go off there's something wrong here 
And 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 this happens commonly, right? I mean, and then it's, so what happens when you click onto something like that? Well, in most cases, there'll be this copycat site you will think you're on Target or Amazon or whatever, and then they're going to try to get your information and sell you something. Either you'll get nothing or the bogus information, and they'll also be able to do identity theft because they'll be able to get your name and address and your debit card number, your credit card number, or something like that. So before you click on, you know, do, do anything with these websites, uh, especially a website you've never dealt with before. I mean, if you go to Amazon or you go to Walmart or you go to Apple, you know, Know where you're going but sometimes you're searching around and you're looking for things and you find yourself on just an absolutely unfamiliar website you've got to do a little bit of research and it doesn't take a lot to make sure you're not on one of these scammers websites you can go to the bbb and see if the site put in the url and see if the site has reports they have this great tool called scam tracker I don't know if you've ever used it, but people hmm. report suspected scams or actual scams like I saw this. It looks suspicious or I fell for this. Watch out thousands and thousands and thousands of reports that come in in real time. So you can find out if anybody's reported this site, even a general Google search. You could put in the name of the company and uh, see if, you know, put and scams or reviews or whatever and see if there's any reviews. Just a little bit of uh, due diligence uh, before you go to an unknown site and give them all your personal information. Uh, because these scammers put up a site really quickly, they take it down very quickly, they, they look very, uh, very professional, they do it all year long, but especially, as you said, at this time of year, people are racing, they're trying to get stuff done, they're busy, they do the shopping late at night, they're not maybe paying full attention, and it's sure. a lot easier to trick to somebody, you know, and if you're going to shop online, whether it's a legitimate site or a site that you're just not 100% sure of, absolutely positively as we've talked about before use a credit card so you can dispute the charges if there's any problem you do not get the same fraud protection with a debit card and if anybody wants you to pay with cryptocurrency or with a peer-to-peer -peer app such as zelle or venmo or cash app run away as fast as you can because a legitimate retailer will let you pay with a debit card or a credit card and take the credit card option you know there's no interest if you pay it off right away uh, and uh you know it's it's safer than a debit card if there's a problem you're using the bank's money versus you're using your own money letting somebody make a withdrawal from your checking account that if there is a problem and report is fraud it will take in many cases weeks or longer for the bank to investigate the bank or credit union and while they're doing that that money that hundred dollar or thousand dollar purchase whatever that's money that's out of your checking account that you can't use you can't use your own money to pay your mortgage or your rent or the car payment or whatever and i've seen people get in a lot of trouble because that money was put on hold for a while while the bank or credit union investigated mm. Mm. And, and and then uh it also as you mentioned like people order order stuff online i've seen people um, that I know, associates and stuff like that, who are in the middle of something and they need a product right away. And they'll just grab their phone and fling, 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 and they'll scroll down and they'll order something immediately because, you know, you can store your credit card um, numbers into your phone. And sometimes it just takes a click and a boom and a click. You go to the website, you pick the thing, boom. You could do it on your phone. You could actually order an item with all the stored information, the credit card, all that stuff, in like a, a minute or two. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I and I see this happen. I see people just kind of do it like, oh, yeah, I can do this really quickly. And then I think to myself, man, I would not <laughs> do it as quickly. I would really try to look at the where I'm going. And, you know, like obviously the credit card stuff that we have are, is stored and it's easy to just like press that that link and it clicks on. And it automatically fills out the form for you and automatically gives you all the credit card information to the people. But I mean, I see people order stuff that and it takes like a minute and a half to order it. And I always find that a little you know, un, I find that a little disturbing. 
Yeah, I mean, the legitimate retailers love it. Uh, the bad guys love it, too, for the same reason. I find it very dangerous to do that. I mean, I know I'm an old guy, uh, yeah. but, uh, and I, but I use my cell phone. But the shop, I want it on my desktop or laptop so I can look at everything, see if there's little tiny disclaimers right. at the bottom. Right. You know, Because sometimes that stuff is buried down there, and it's really hard to see it uh, on a on a phone that's what they're counting on that might say you know this isn't going to be shipped for how long a time or yeah. something i just don't think it's possible to do that on a cell phone i know everybody does it but to me that's not the best way to shop i want to see it on my day and then i want to print a copy of it in case there's a problem i can show it to the credit card company and say look it said i was going to get this in three days and it didn't show up or it said this comes with all these attachments i didn't get it look here you know i, I yeah. print copies of everything when i buy something yeah. Just yep. so I have a backup in case there's a problem because credit and, card companies can ask that. And listen, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's crazy. I can just do it with my phone. It'll take two seconds. But, you know, you know, Herb, Herb, this guy's been covering this. We just said, everybody, that Herb's been covering this for 40 years and he knows the, the scams. And it's better to be safe if you want to feel like an old person or whatever. But print the stuff up. Do the double checking. If you can, order on your laptop or so you can investigate all this stuff. Uh, this is how you don't get scammed. I mean, um, you know, I know it's convenient and it's cool. You got your phone, blah, 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 two seconds later, you've got something coming to the, to the delivery and it'll probably show up that day or that night, you know. Um, but yeah, man, it's I, I would rather have I would rather not be ripped off and accused of being an old man than be ripped off just because it was convenient on my phone. Amen, brother. Slower is always better when it comes to being a smart consumer. Slower yeah. is always better. And, you know, here's another thing that you point out in the, in the piece. There's delivery impersonators. Now, it's, it's bad enough. <laughs> it's bad enough that we've got to take our time looking at what we're going to be ordering from the websites and all that stuff and making sure our credit cards don't get ripped off. But then we always have to now we have to worry about delivery. Yep. <clears throat> Tell me a little bit about that. Well, delivery scams happen all year long, but again, at this time of year when you're expecting packages or you think somebody might be sending you a package or you're ordering so much stuff online, mm -hmm. the phishing email and the stuff they send out to you on uh, text messages, which is called smishing, it's a lot more easy to get through. It's like, again, because you're in a rush and you do that kind of thing. They send you a text or an email that basically tells you there's a problem with a delivery or something you ordered. And what they would like you to do, of course, is just click the link and we'll be able to take care of the problem. The emails uh, look really, really good. And in the story on Checkbook, I actually embedded one that I got. It was supposedly from Federal Express. It wasn't, but they had the Federal Express logo. They yeah. had images from Federal Express of the packages. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at it right now. It looks completely legit. Yeah, except if you look real carefully at the uh, at the top of some of these things, and it's not necessarily on this one, Nick, but you will see it. The, and the, they don't expect you to look at the domain at the top. They just assume you'll see the logo. This is Amazon or Apple or Federal Express or UPS or whatever. But if you look, sometimes it'll say like it'll say um, uh, it'll say like John Doe Smith one two six nine at gmail dot com. Well, mm. that's not the email address right. or the domain for uh, DHL or. Amazon or whatever, because what they've done is they've hacked somebody's email account. That's right. one of the quickest ways to spot the fraud. Just look at the uh, just look at the address that it's been sent from. That's not always a dead giveaway because sometimes they get pretty close or they'll they'll change like a make an L and I or something like that, so it looks like it's the same address or whatever. But that's one of the ways to do it. So what they want, hoping you're going to do is you're going to either click on the link and then go to their bogus website and provide them with personal information. So because it's shipping, they can probably get your name and address and phone number and possibly uh, they'll tell you that uh, oh there's an actual you know we got to bring it back again so there's an actual second delivery charge so we need your credit card number to pay the fee so now you've paid a fee and given their credit card number 
or in the case of that email that you saw, they gave me the option to click on the invoice that was attached to that. There was an invoice attached. And of mm. course, do that. Uh, sometimes it's just to make it look legit, but in most cases, it's so you can download malicious software on yep. your computer, which yep. is the same thing you can do if you click on the link, either for a text message or an email message. So there's a lot of ways you could, they can scam you here. Again, if you think there's something coming or you, it's, you see it, go to your account, go to your Apple account or your Amazon account or contact the shipping company and see if it's legit as opposed to clicking on some unknown link from something that comes out of the blue from, from some shipping kind of thing. Right, right. Uh, and then fraud.org is a, is a, if you can file a report there on fraud.org uh, helps out in these kind of situations, correct? Yeah, it's really good. Fraud.org is actually run by the National Consumers League. And what they do is they report uh, to a network of more than 200 law enforcement and consumer protection agencies. So they get the word out to all these groups, which is really good. So they know what's going on. Uh, they may not be able to get the money back or help you in, in your situation. Of course, if you're if you are scammed, report it to your credit card company or if you did use a debit card report it to your to your bank uh yeah. that's the, the best thing to do but then reported this to help other people the one takeaway and the, one of the most important things when it comes to scams and i want to make this clear this came from our friends at the better business bureau um what they said was and this is really important they asked people who were targeted by a scammer but didn't take the bait how did you avoid losing money what made you stop engagement before you did what the bad guys wanted you to do and nick the top response was it didn't feel right, so I ended the engagement. If your gut is telling you that there's something wrong, trust your gut. There yeah. is basically no transaction, no tr uh, nothing that has to be done instantaneously or the world is going to come to an end. They want yeah. you to think that. They're trying to rush you, but if it doesn't feel right, if it seems off, stop check it out, ask a family member, contact the BBB, do something like that and find out what's going on. And in my decades of consumer reporting, when I have talked to people who were scams, they say the exact same thing. It just seemed a little fishy, Herb. Right. I wasn't right. really sure. The price was ridiculous, but I figured, eh, don't, don't figure, eh, say to yourself, my gut's trying to tell me something here. It's right. a biological response. Uh, listen to it and either slow down or check it out or just disengage altogether. That's the number yeah. one tip I'd like to leave you with for uh, protecting yourself from all scams. Trust right. your gut. That's right. It's a simple tip, too, and it'll help you. All right. Hey, uh, we mentioned your uh, your Consumerpedia podcast, uh, Consumerpedia. I'll try to pronounce that correctly. Consumerpedia podcast. Um, and uh, one of the things that you talked about in the, in the latest um, podcast is how to hire a roofer. Um, and I know that, like, after the winter is over, there's a lot of, like, uh, damage to roofs. And a lot of people around, you know, springtime are going to get – they want to get their roofs repaired. Uh, sure. And you did a whole podcast uh, about the best way to uh, – to get your roof fixed and uh, and to hire a roofer. Let's talk a little bit about that and what you covered in that podcast. Sure. A lot of people get their roofs done in the summertime because it's dry, but a lot of people get their roofs done or have to have repair work done in the wintertime when, as happened to me, a tree falls, falls through your house. Uh. Uh, and <laughs> in my case, did $50,000 worth of damage. And that was, oh. a, small, that was a small tree. Uh, and, and let me tell you, so, you know, if there's a big storm and all the trees yeah. are down, you know, hey, you live, you live, this, that's what happens when you live in Seattle, Herb. That's what <laughs> <laughs> um, I live in a place called Tall Furs Estates. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it's, not, it's not as upscale as it sounds, but there are tall furs. And let me and let me tell you, when the tall furs come a tumbling down, yeah. man, oh man, my not neighbor, good. he had a hundred-year-old tree come down, and it's 
I swear to God, it literally split his house in oh. half. He had a one-story oh. house of a rancher, and it oh. literally split his house in half. Unbelievable. So a lot of repair work does. There's a lot to listen to on the podcast at consumerpedia.org, but just I'll summarize some of the stuff. You have to make sure you get a good contractor, and that takes a little bit of work. If you don't know where to start, you can contact maybe friends or neighbors or people who've hired somebody uh, who you can see if they've liked them. If you live in the seven cities where checkbook rates uh, these folks, you can get the ratings from us. And in a minute, Nick, I will give you the free link for the Nick D podcast. Yes. So you can get those ratings. So that's a really good place to start. But even if you're dealing with a reputable contractor or someone you got you know, from our, our list, have several of them come. We say at least three, five is not a bad idea. The reason why is everybody will have a little different approach. And as we found out, the prices can be astronomically different from really good companies. And I'm going to give you a an example from our mystery shoppers. Just so happens to be in the Chicagoland area because ah, that's where you are. Yeah. So they got roofing estimates for re-roofing jobs for three homes in the Chicagoland area and were quoted bids ranging from $7,500 to $20,850 for one job, $4,860 to nearly $10,300 on another job, and $8,700 to $20,500 on the third job. And I use my fingers and toes, and that's a $12,000 difference. So getting a couple of bids can save you thousands of dollars. And on a really expensive job, it could save you tens of thousands of dollars. And we found, as in so many cases, there is no relationship between price and quality. We found top rated companies, companies with hundreds of positive reviews for quality that quoted low prices. And we found companies with poor ratings that quoted high prices. And that's why you really need to have three to five companies or more if you have time, come to your house and bid on your job. And my our, our executive editor, Kevin Brassler, was telling me that some companies now are using satellite imagery and they can give you an estimate based on taking a look at your house from the satellite. They don't actually. Wow. They, but you, of course, you'd want them to come out if you said, yeah, I'm thinking about you. They come out, they look and do it. But they can give you a ballpark estimate to start with by looking at your house through satellite imagery. I've never experienced that myself, but I thought that was a really cool use of technology to get the process started. So. Well, it's interesting that I'm sure from the satellite dish, they could have seen the tree in your house. I think that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I'm telling you that was. And and I, I, and it's it was it landed right in my office. If I had been up oh. here working, it would it oh. came right through my office. Uh, oh, no. When, yeah. And uh, it's, it was like a bomb went off. I mean, it's like, what the you know, yeah. it, we shook the whole house, and it was it oh. was really scary. So anyway, man, oh man, but, and so not that's make, not to make not to make light on no, it, obviously. No, no. But. And uh, and by the way, that's something also to realize that if you're in a situation like that, um, that the uh, insurance company may want to steer you to the roofer they want to use because they have these designated roofers. Um, you have the right to say, and I did, no, I want to use this roofing company that I know is really good. Somebody who I checked out with checkbook and has been in my at my house before. Uh, no, I real well, it'd be really a lot easier, Herb. If we- I don't care if it's easier for you, for you. I want the contractor that I want. And, you know, it was a little bit more hassle to argue with these people, but I got the roofer who I wanted to do the job. And I'm glad I did because it turned out to be much more complicated than the tree had done more damage than we had originally thought. So that's, that's one thing. And then if a tree or something does come down and, you know, a lot of these storms, Nick, you know, be living there in Chicago, it takes trees and stuff down all over the place. Yeah. You know, if somebody just comes knocking at your door, 
this is like the number one roofing tip because, oh, there's a storm and I was sent by the utility company or your insurance company or I'm in the neighborhood or I'm doing something. I'll give you a really good price. You never for any reason ever hire a roofer that shows up at your door and knocks on the door. And the favorite one I love is because they've come through my house, my neighborhood. You know, we just happen to be in the neighborhood and uh, we have uh, some extra roofing materials. So we'll give you a really good price. And my response is, if you were a good roofer, why didn't you know how much materials you had to order? Why do you have all this extra stuff? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that is not the way to hire a roofer because if you get, and I've, I've seen these horror stories. I've gone to people's houses. They hire these people. They're con artists. They show up. They rip the roof off. They get you to pay them up front in full, and they scram, and you've got this house with a blue tarp on it and no roof, and they've got all your money, and you're never going to see them again, and it's a horrible situation. You wow. don't want to do that kind of thing. You want to get a reputable roofer, check them out, make sure they're licensed and bonded and have all the insurance necessary. And then another key tip we gave Nick is don't pay up front. Any good roofer, maybe 10%, maybe if they if you have to, but any good roofer has credit. They can get the materials that they need. They, are, they know how it works. You pay them when the job is done. That gives you the leverage to say, um, you know, there's a leak in the gutters. You didn't fix them yet. Or there's a little over here that you remember you're supposed to fix. Do you have the leverage of not giving them all the money up front? So that's the way it works. When you're done, when you're satisfied with the work, that is when you pay the money. So that's really, really important. And again, you can check this out. All of the all uh, there's even more uh, to talk about and covered at the uh, latest uh, episode of uh, the uh, Consumerpedia podcast, which uh, you can get um, uh, uh, through uh, through Herb's website. Consumerpedia, sure. Consumerpedia.org or it's on my site, consumerman.com. And there by the go. way, uh, Kevin even talks about, and I don't know anything about this, he was sharing with me. There are now solar shingles. Have you heard about that? Solar shingles. The shingle is a solar cell, so you don't have to put the solar panels on your roof. The entire roof is a gigantic solar panel. They're brand new technology. Wow. We're not 100% sure, but if you want, he talks all about that. It's, it's really kind of cool. That's possibly the direction we're headed in. So, Boy, no you would... More- uh, you would think that now that would have been the first route that they would have taken <laughs> when they well, developed these things. Like, let's make them out of sh- let's make shingles out of them. You know what I mean? Sophisticated. I mean, you literally have to plug the shingles into each other, and it's it's a little. I believe Tesla is working on one ver- variation of them. Of course, so they are. Uh, yeah. you have a self driving house that doesn't work. But um, <laughs> so let me give you the uh, let me give you that address so anybody listening can can go and get all of our ratings for free. Uh, for the next yeah uh, please please this is for the this is this is exclusively for the nick d listeners yes yes 30-day free trial no obligation we'd love you to join if you live in one of our seven cities but no obligation checkbook.org slash nick d podcast you can get ratings in chicago minneapolis st paul seattle san francisco boston philadelphia and washington dc checkbook.org slash Nick D. If you don't live in those cities, you can get everything, not the ratings. We can get all of our articles for free. Um, But if you want the ratings, Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, and Washington, D.C., 30 days free. Checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. Okay. And we thank you for that, Herb. I really appreciate that. And I know my listeners and I know my subscribers love that too. So make sure you take advantage of that. It's free, everybody. And your subscribers uh, contact me on my website, consumerman.com. 
You can email me through the website. They always have questions. I heard you on the Nick D podcast. I answer every single one and I'm happy to try. I can't solve all your individual problems, but I certainly will respond and tell you what to do. So that's, that's right. another service we do for your podcast listeners. And we appreciate that. Bookmarket, consumerman.com. All right. Uh, this is a story that you were talking about. Uh, it's a continuing story, a story that you yeah. had last year, but now we've updated it a little bit. And it's the, of course, buy now, pay later thing. Uh, yes. which is often a, a debt trap, as you guys have uh, mentioned. Give us the latest update on buy now, pay later. Sure. Buy now, pay later is going to be huge this holiday shopping season because people's budgets are stretched. It seems like you're getting free credit because that's how it's being billed by these companies. In most cases, it works that you put 25% down and then have three more payments, two weeks apart, equal payments. The problem results if somehow the payment gets missed, there are late penalty fees, seven to $8. And if you, and the money automatically comes out of your account, in most cases, 90% of the time it's linked to a debit card. So if you don't have the money to cover it, you can get a overdraft charge from the bank. And if you don't wind up paying, uh, then it could be sent to a collection and then you get your credit destroyed. So there, even though there may not be, and not all of them will work without a, a, an interest charge, but even though there may not be an interest charge, it can be a problem. And the real problem is when people next stack these things on top of each other so instead of having one to help your cash flow because you bought a big screen tv and then pay it off you you buy everything with this and think you're well i only spent 150 dollars today i can spend a whole lot more but those bills come due at all different times yeah. and people wind up getting themselves in trouble so we updated the story because the consumer federation of america and the center for responsible lending surveyed consumers in california who use buy now pay later to see what was going on. I use them as a little microcosm of America. And they found really substantial misunderstandings about how these financial products work and the potential costs. So they found that in the last six months, more than a third of the people they surveyed, 37% said they had incurred a bank overdraft fee and 16% paid a late or rescheduling fee by the buy now pay later provider or bank. So, so much for this free money, 37%. Uh, had a bank or overdraft fee and 16% had something charged by the buy now pay later company. So that's the, you know, that's the way it is. It's real easy to take out, but then there's the backside where you have to start making the payments. And then I went online to the better business bureau just to find out the kind of ratings that the five of the major buy now pay later providers have. And it actually turns out that the ratings have dropped since the last time I did this story. Is that right? dropped. So uh, the I looked up Affirm, Afterpay, Klarna, PayPal, and Zip, five big names in this area. They handled $180 million of these loans in 2021, valued at $24 billion. And uh, here's uh, what we found. So uh, I got to look at the number here from the Better Business Bureau. I'm going to scroll down to my story. Uh, we found that uh, basically uh, that these guys have huge numbers of complaints, like absolutely huge numbers of complaints. And if you take them all uh, together, the average, each one of these, the average rating was a one out of five. Wow. One out of five. I mean, these are services that people like and use. And, you know, that they got that kind of rating to me is absolutely unbelievable. But how many people were unhappy with these things? Mm. So uh, that's just something to keep in mind. And usually it's because I didn't know the money was coming out of my account. I got this fee. They didn't tell me about this fee. Um, but of course, you know, it was there or whatever. So uh, it can be a lot more, uh, you know, devastating than than people think it could be. So Okay. All right, and that and that and that is uh, that is updated for people uh, to check out, and that's uh, all at consumerman.com and checkbook.org. Uh, listen, uh, Herb, um, have yeah. a fantastic holiday season, a fantastic Hanukkah, and uh, and uh, and uh, and we will talk you talk to you. And it's been a great uh, 2023 talking with you, Herb. Always, 
Thank and, you. Uh, you do a great show, Nick, and we really uh, love being on it with you. So keep up the good work and good luck with show 200. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. We'll talk to you in the new year in 2024. You got it. Bye-bye. All right, Herb. Take care, buddy. Herb Weissbaum, the one and only Consumer Man. Check him out, consumerman.com, and take advantage of that free offer from checkbook.org. Go to that link and take advantage of it. Uh, and speaking of taking advantage of greatness, any car question or any car uh, uh, problem, this man takes care of it. That's Tom Appel. Tom Appel. We're going to talk about costume. Tom Appel. Ooh, automotive with Tom. And his last name, Appel. Oh. It's the czar of car, the sultan of cylinder, Tom Appel. Yeah. Tom Opel. Uh, does anybody does anybody um, accent the second syllable of your last name quite the way that Jason Skaggs does? No one. No, no one. one does. does. No one does. <laughs> uh, that is uh, the Tom Appel theme song that we hear uh, every month. The first Tuesday of each month is for the people. That means it's here to help you out. Tom is the um, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. You can check out consumerguide.com. You can follow him on the Twitters or the X, whatever the hell it's called now. Uh, and this is at Tom underscore car underscore guy, correct? Yeah. Okay. And then you That's can follow me. him on. Uh, you can follow him all over Tom Appel, all over the, the social medias and Consumer Guide Automotive. And welcome to the podcast, Tom Appel. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. All right. How was your Thanksgiving? Was it uh, fun? And did you have a good time? It was good. It was small. It was just uh, uh, my wife and I, my daughter and my parents, which was nice. But my daughter was home, so that always oh, makes that's me nice. happy. Yeah. That's nice. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, I'm glad you had a good time, and I hope you have uh, more great holidays. This is the final For the People episode of 2023 before we head wow. into 2024. Uh, a year has gone by, and it's just flown as far as I can, as far as I can tell. Uh, but always, uh, always a fun time to talk to you. Uh, uh, you know, this once a month. First of all, tell everybody about Consumer Guide Automotive, as we always do, and they should all check it out and your podcast, all that great stuff. Yeah, if you're looking for a new car or truck, check us out at consumerguide.com. We've got lots of useful reviews, and and our 2024 Best Buy picks go up right now. They're, they're wow. live as of Tuesday, mm -hmm. so that's a that's a big deal. So next year's new cars, we we've got them all nailed down. Also, there's lots of fun stuff. So if you're not looking for a car, that's okay. I write about all sorts of weird stuff. Right. And you can check it out. There's a blog there. There's videos and the podcast. Please tell everybody of the podcast and uh, when it's dropping every week and people can listen to it. I've lucky enough been to, to have been a guest on the podcast. It's a great podcast. Tell everybody where and when they can hear it. Yeah, the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast. It's like automotive light because we spend about half the time screwing around on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we do address the news. So if you want to know about stuff like the Cybertruck, we're dealing with that this week, uh, the, the crazy thing that came from Tesla. But we do automotive reviews. We do automotive quizzes. It's a good time. And it drops every Tuesday morning, except this week. We had a problem uh, with the studio. So we're actually dropping this week's episode Wednesday morning. Okay, so it'll, uh, it'll drop then uh, tomorrow. It'll yep. drop then tomorrow because normally it drops on the same day as, uh, it as does. this podcast. But uh, you got you can listen to this podcast and not worry because you can wait an entire day to listen to Tom's podcast because it won't drop until tomorrow. So there you exactly. Go. All right, and all of that information is consumerguide.com, where you got the blog, where you got the videos, you got the you got the uh, uh, the podcast and all that great stuff. So yep. there you go. All right, there's all the background information that you need on Tom Appel. All right, Tom, thanks for joining us. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Uh, always asking, always love, love to hear about it. You know, uh, you test drive stuff. That's what you do at consumer guide. You're driving new cars all the time. What are you driving now? What have you been driving most recently? 
Tell me about what's going on. Wow, this is a great week to ask me that question. I am driving perhaps one of the nicest vehicles I've driven in a year or two. Wow. Uh, this is the Genesis GV70 Electrified. This is the electric version of the Genesis's, uh, Genesis's small crossover. I don't know why I can't handle the plural of Genesis. Um, <laughs> Gen so it's, I'm sorry, it's the Genesis GV7? 7D. 7D. GV7D. Yep. Okay. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of numbers and letters. Yeah, and then the word electrified follows it. Oh, uh, wow, wow! But it is a, a small crossover that Genesis makes that, that they now do an electrified version or pure electric version of the vehicle, and and what a fantastic little vehicle! It, it's a small crossover. It is a delight to drive. The interior is beautiful, and I've said this about Genesis interiors for a while now. They would not disappoint in a Bentley. Um, absolutely beautiful inside. Really? Wow. Yeah. Gorgeous car. Gorgeous car. Rides and handles incredibly well. And making it electric makes it better. It is so quick and so quiet and so smooth. Great vehicle. If you can handle an electric vehicle in your life and you're rich, this is the car for you. Uh, and you're rich. There it is. That's, yeah, that's the, that's the that's tricky the, part. That's the tricky part right there. What is this going for? <laughs> what is this going Starts, for? It's about 75, 78, something like that. Jesus. Wow, man. So it's a okay. lot of money for a small crossover, but but the payoff is there. Okay. Now, how long do you drive this? Is this is this is currently what you what you're driving or what you just finished driving? Uh, I'm still in it th simply because I'm in a vehicle till Tuesday this week, not Monday. Got oh, I uh, see. Yeah, but I'm still in it right now and I typically drive vehicles for one week. Okay. And uh handles well, it's nice and everything and you and you said it's a small crossover, correct? Yeah, but I fit uh, in it just but, fine. Uh, Cuz you're a big dude. We need to yep, establish that dude. and you and you are always looking out for the comfort of larger humans. And uh, even though this is a smaller crossover, you are comfortable driving it and sitting in it. Yep, I am. Actually, it's a great size for, for just sort of slicing and dicing urban traffic. Wow. Okay, cool. Great review right there. The Genesis GV7, wait, GV7D electrified. Yep. Let me just make yep. sure that I get the entire sentence uh, <laughs> in there. Uh, well, now, now, Genesis, um, how long has Genesis been around, and are, are, do they have a reputation? Are their cars generally good? Yeah, Genesis is interesting. It, people have been aware of the name for a long time, but probably don't know why. Uh, there was a product called the Hyundai Genesis, which was a premium large sedan, uh, and, and after that had been on the market for a while, about a decade ago, maybe a little bit more than a decade, Genesis, Hyundai decided that Genesis should become a standalone premium brand, but they didn't really have any product for it. So for a long time, the brand languished with just two large sedans that weren't very interesting. It's only been the last five or six years that they started rolling out product, and the product is very good. Really? So, yeah, Genesis now a standalone brand at standalone dealerships in a lot of cases with very distinct products. It is owned by Hyundai, uh, but, but they're, they are an independent brand in the U.S. And are all of their cars in the expensive range? Do they all run pretty high? They do, yeah. yeah. I don't think there's a Genesis you can touch for much under 50. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Well, now, what were you driving before the Genesis? And, I, and, and, and before Phil Collins was your driver, I'm, I had to make a Genesis joke. I'm sorry. But, uh, <laughs> I can't let that pass by. I can't say, we can't say the word Genesis a couple of times without Phil Collins being mentioned at some point. So. 
No, I recently drove uh, the Subaru Impreza RS. So other side of the spectrum, this was a vehicle under $30,000. Delightful little sedan, all-wheel drive, sporty. And the RS is the sporty version of the Impreza. Uh, but this is Subaru's least expensive car. It doesn't sell especially anymore because everyone wants crossovers. Yeah. Uh, but if you want something about the size of a Honda Civic, it's got Subaru character, which means that the engine sounds just a little bit salty, maybe a little bit gravelly. That's kind of the Subaru flat four thing. Sure. But 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 decent power, fun to drive, nice interior, uh, really a great little car uh, for for surprisingly little money and Subaru's standard all-wheel drive is the kind of thing that Chicagoans will seriously appreciate like in a week or two like what you know yeah. we're gonna get blasted by snow at some point and, at some and point then you, yeah and nothing makes you feel cockier or happier than you having purchased an all-wheel drive vehicle when that happens right <laughs> you're the guy out there not swearing yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So if you want to cut down on your swearing this winter, you might want to look into that. <laughs> uh, if that's something you're looking for. Uh, it's interesting. Hey, you know, I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but um, who's allowed to drive the car when you have it? Like, can your wife drive it? Like, if your kid is in town, can she drive it? What's what are the what are the are there rules? Are there? Uh, I, I'm not really sure because I, you know, just in terms of like insurance and things like that. Can are you the only person that can drive the car? Yes, there's a lot of rules, actually. Okay, I would imagine, um, right? Yeah. Tell yeah, me a little bit about that. Give me a little bit of background, because I'm sure people are like, hey, uh, when you're test driving a car, uh, what goes into that, and, and how does that work, and what are the rules? Yeah, when you first get started in this business, I, I was really lucky to start with Consumer Guide, which sort of got me blanket permission to drive everything, because the, you know, it was an old established brand with, uh, with a lot of reach. Uh, but if you're getting started in this business and you're an independent writer, you have to kind of set your... Um, set your standards with every single automaker that lends out cars and that can take some time and yeah. uh, they want to vet you and you do have to take care of the cars and you're expected to garage them or park from someplace safe you're the only person who can drive them got it. all sorts of rules about about uh handling of the vehicle you can't cross international borders you have to let them know if you're going to put more mileage on them than they expect and if you want like i've gone on long trips where i've gotten my wife permission but that's a special ask yeah Okay. And now, now, okay, what is what, um, I, just uh, general questions. I don't think I've ever asked about this, about the details yeah. of, of that. What you just said, there, there's a, a, a certain amount of miles that you can put on a car. Do they have a limit? Do, do they say, okay, you can't put more than, how, how much is, how many miles are expected to put on the car while you drive it? There's different agreements, um, but, but generally there's a cap of 500 miles. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a lot, though. I mean, especially if you want to test it out and take it out somewhere. I mean, uh, you, you could do 500 miles in a week, right? You can, and I have. And, and if you're going to, you, you're just a courtesy call is expected. I see. I so see. It's, it's not usually a big deal, but you want to make sure you let the manufacturers okay. know. Okay. Uh, so let me ask you this. Has there ever been, you know, all the years? How, by the way, how long have you been doing test driving? You've been doing it for many, many, many years, uh, like obviously. 22 years, I think, I've been in test product. Okay. In the 22 years, what kind of problems have come up? Uh, give me a few stories if you got those. And has there ever have you ever been in an accident in a car that you've been test driving? Yeah, five years ago I was T-boned. Uh, oh no! Wrangler. Yeah, yeah, ruined a car. And I, oh, yeah, airbags deployed. It was the worst accident I'd been in. It was kind of oh horrible. my god. So what? Yeah. So and I'm sorry, you were driving what then? At, at what time? I was driving, and it was it's a shame because I really liked the vehicle. I was driving the Hyundai Santa Fe. Um, I remember it was red. It was a very high trim level, very nice car, and it was drizzling out. Visibility was relatively oh. poor, and I was driving a Dempster, uh, <laughs> not too far from my office. So I was just yeah. uh, just west of uh, uh, 
I can't remember what road, but um, the tracks there at Lehigh. Yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah. and I'm passing the shopping center, and I'm watching this Jeep, and I can see it happening. Oh, no. Like, oh, this Jeep's coming right at me. It's late at night. I was leaving the office late. And and I'm driving down Dempster, and, and I'm like, she's not stopping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I can feel it happening in slow motion. Yeah. And she didn't stop, T-boned me, airbags deployed. Oh, it was awful. And I, now, yeah, I totaled a manufacturer's car. God, that's horrible. Well, what happens in that situation then? I don't mean to bring this up. It's a bummer, but I'm just curious. So what happens in that no, situation? It's a great question. And, and there's all sorts of ex- extensive paperwork in the vehicle. And, and the insurance thing gets really complicated because I was insured by my company. I had my own insurance and I had Hyundai's insurance. And the distributor of the vehicles has their own insurance. So there's a lot of really weird legal gradations that you have to kind of weave through. Yeah. Uh, and and the, it complicates the police, the life of the police. I bet it does. Yeah, I bet <laughs> it does. Like, I wonder, who owns this now? Yeah, no, it's got to be like it's got to be kind of weird for those guys to show up and go, "What now? You're test driving with the who now and the consumer what?" Yeah, uh, that's got to be a little weird. No, no, nobody was hurt. Was anybody hurt? You guys were okay. No, no, no one was hurt. Uh, okay. Airbags were airbags were deployed. I don't recommend yeah. that to anyone because it's a horrible thing to experience. But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, everyone was fine. So then what happens, okay, after that? I mean, I'm not going to get into, well, they took the car, they did this, you know, all that stuff. But in terms of the report that you do, the fi- does that does that get negated because you got into an accident? Or how do you do a report on a car? By the way, how far into the test drive were you? Like, how, how long were you driving the car at that point? Oh, I had just gotten the car. Oh, it was terrible. shit, really? It was, oh. a good, it was a good car, too. I really wanted to ride it. Oh, so so okay so then did you get a did they give you a replacement of that model to test drive? Um, they're general the fleet isn't always that flexible so I was just yeah. without a car for the rest of the week okay. which wasn't that big a deal mm-hmm. I, I remember calling my dad it was like I was in high school yeah, you <laughs> <pick me> up? <laughs> that's great that's I'm sorry it's funny now we can laugh now Tom no it's yeah over. yeah yeah now it was kind of funny then <laughs> yeah uh, okay so then is that. And so then, uh, so the paperwork goes in and all that stuff. And then do they, now does that, now is that a mark against you as a test driver? Because you got to, do they, you know, when you're vetted and all that stuff, do they suddenly go, oh shit, I don't want to give this guy another car. I got T-boned. So is there like, do they do, do they have meetings and stuff? I mean, uh, it was, it was drizzly. He couldn't see. It's okay. Let's give him another car. I mean, I don't know. I'm just asking if they, if they kind of go, well, maybe do you become a risk at that point? That's a great question. I don't fully know the answer to that. Okay. I, don't, I don't really know the behind-the-scenes machinations. But I do know that if you're a problematic driver and have a lot of accidents or get into yeah. speeding, or you, you tend to get into legal issues with cars, you will be pulled out of them. Yeah, right. Because uh, no one needs that hassle. Has any other weird things happened? Have any other weird things happened in the 22 years that you've been test-driving cars besides this accident that I'm sorry that we, we brought up? But anything other kind of uh, unique or strange things happened? I was driving a Chevrolet uh, of to the electric, the small electric car that General Motors makes. They just discontinued, unfortunately, but great little car, um, and lost a tire. It was just, it was a pothole, tire popped, it was a hot day. And, and I had the hardest time with that simply because these were special tires specific to an electric vehicle, and, and there were no replacements anywhere. And I ended up stuck somewhere in Bensonville. I think I'm trying to remember what happened, but I think I went with a vehicle to a dealership where I had to leave it until a replacement tire could be scrounged up. And then I had to, I think I Ubered home from there. I was going to say, did you call your dad again? Yeah. (laughs) I did not call dad that time. You didn't get a dad, uh, lost the tire. (laughs) 
So that's that's it. But other, but uh, you know, but that's those are the exceptions, right? Most of the time, you know, uh, it goes pretty well, and it's and you know, and the test no, drives. Did, yeah. yeah, we did have a Jaguar I-Pace. This is the electric Jaguar, and it's the only one I've ever seen or driven. Uh, and perhaps for good reason, that while it was in our care, it simply refused to take a charge. So What? Yeah, like 200 miles of range, we passed it around to two drivers, and it just sat. We could, <laughs> it wouldn't take a charge. We, we pushed it into a spot. Eventually, a flatbed came and picked the car up without apologies, oh. and we never saw the car again. <laughs> well, these are good stories. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of test driving, tell me about the, the you see how I segue? Yeah, I segue that was good. I, I, yeah. Won war, I won awards when I was on the radio for segue. Yeah. That's, that's You're a professional, saying. sir. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, now, you're, you the, the, the tag here is selling an old man a young man's car. Yeah. And uh, this is a test drive story, so we're segueing into the 2023 Toyota Crown Platinum. Um, please tell me about that little headline there and what it was like to drive it and your thoughts. Yeah, uh, people might be familiar with the Toyota Avalon. It was sort of a big version of the Camry and, and very much uh, a mature person's car. It was an excellent car for a realtor. It's the kind of car that you, back in the day you might have bought instead of a Cadillac DeVille, except it was a little more affordable and perhaps a little less ostentatious. Yeah. And the Avalon was in the Toyota line for a lot of years, and it was a nice car. Um, but but it's 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 ownership its client base was aging out and and the sedan was just a little difficult for people to get down into and 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 it just wasn't really working for the old timers anymore and and Toyota doesn't really like to no manufacturer likes to acknowledge that its buyer base is old because uh. there's there's a line famously that came out of General Motors I think in the 50s and it was you can't sell a young man an old man's car that was right. the line so right. you're always trying to make features that senior people might like uh, part of a vehicle without really advertising them and it's a tricky thing to do anyway the Avalon started to sink in, in popularity and it was taking up space in factories here in the US so Toyota has more or less replaced it they never said it was actually a replacement with something called the crown which was a home market vehicle that they sell in Japan yeah. and it's a fun spunky car that actually addresses the issues that that people of a certain age might have had with the Avalon. It sits a little bit higher, so its H point or its hip point is, is higher, so it's easier to get in and out of. The doors are shaped just a little bit easier, so the rear seat access is a little bit easier for people who don't have that flexibility anymore. Yet, this is kind of a fun car with standard all-wheel drive. It's got a turbo hydro drivetrain. It looks kind of cool. The design's a little bit radical. So it, 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 it addresses these aging issues that they need to address with a car that kind of has a, a youth appeal. And it's, I think Toyota has a home run here. Um, it's, it's something more than a Camry, which people might be looking for. But it's also kind of safe in a weird way. Yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, and uh, and who? So so how do they? How do they? How do people? Uh, uh, the, the manufacturers like uh, confront that thing like an old man's when when it has a reputation as an old man's car. And how does that happen? You know what I mean? Like how do? How does a car get an old man's reputation? That that's a good question. And part of it is that that oldsters seem to like sedans that are large and that market segment is definitely dying out 
I um, see. And, and they've been replaced by crossovers. And having helped friends buy their parents' cars over the years, increasingly they're moving into compact crossovers because, again, I that see. H point yeah. is really a, a big point. If you can just slide into a car, that's best. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Okay. So uh, for a full report, check it out at Consumer Guide uh, yeah, Automotive. Please. The 2023 Toyota Crown Platinum. All right. Uh, now, uh, Volvo. Let's get into a Volvo. What's, what is going on? There's a Volvo EV that dodged the Chinese import tariff? Yeah, this is a great story, and it's interesting yeah. for a bunch of reasons. Volvo, which makes premium vehicles, um, um, is building a vehicle called the EX30. It's a subcompact crossover. It's very small. I have not driven it myself. Uh, someone who submitted their, their work to me has driven it, and they're describing it as surprisingly roomy and fun to drive with decent electric range. But the interesting thing is this is a Volvo, and they're going to be selling this car in the U.S. starting around $35,000, mm-hmm. which seems impossible because they're importing the vehicle from China. Now, for people who don't know, Volvo is now owned by a Chinese company called Geely. And, and they, they build Volvos mostly in Sweden and in the U.S., but this vehicle, for price reasons, and because they're going to be building a lot of them there in China, just to sort of offset um, manufacturing costs, yeah. they'll be importing the vehicle from China. Now, here's the problem. There is an enormous an enormous 27.5% tariff on vehicles imported from China. Jeez. So how can they make any money on a $35,000 car that, yeah. that has an almost 30% tariff on it? Jeez. Well, it turns out, and I didn't even know this law existed, you can offset the cost of your tariff, your import tariff, if you import vehicles back to China. And Volvo does build vehicles in South Carolina. And, and they're planning to build a relatively large oh. and expensive SUV here that they will be exporting back to China, the dollar value of which should offset the value of the imports. So Volvo can do this. They can sell this incredibly cheap SUV here in the U.S. Uh, because of their very unique situation. Wow. That's really yeah. – that's really. and what have you heard, I mean, just about the car in general? What makes it, what makes it special? What do you think is going to be cool about it? You haven't driven it yet, but what are the reports about it? It's interesting. One of the things they're doing to help offset the cost, because Volvo is supposed to be a luxury manufacturer, or is, is that the interior, while probably not lined with the nicest materials in the world, is, is, is high on style, and there's a lot of avant-garde design there. So it looks interesting. It looks sort of forward-thinking, which can help offset the fact that it's not the nicest interior, and it's strictly speaking. But it's supposed to be fun to drive. It's available with all-wheel drive. It's relatively quick. Uh, it's the kind of thing that might do really well in the U.S. because at Volvos, not Volvos, but electric vehicles are still kind of the purview of the relatively wealthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this seems like the kind of thing that, like, wealthy guys, stay-at-home tennis wives might really like. <laughs> and, that's, and that's I a see. segment. No one addresses it, but that's actually a segment. It is. That is that is it. What are some of the other segments that no one addresses, Tom? Have you ever talked to? Have you ever thought about that? Some of well, the people, some of the very specific car buyers out there or audiences. Yeah, there are orthopedist rich wives. There are people who buy their kids. <laughs> <laughs> there are the very lucky rich kids that their parents buy them new cars, which is sort yeah. of a segment no one really wants to address. Right. Uh, right. Right. And and, and then. <laughs> The other one we just sort of talked about is sort of like lazy people who don't want to acknowledge that they buy, like, old man's cars. So. Right, right. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Have you ever seen any advertising that have been blatantly aimed at those car, at, at, at those groups of, uh, of, 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 uh, of customers? 
Yeah. I have not. Because I know, because you, like you like to look at old ads, and you like to look at I things like that. I love old ads. Yeah. I love old ads. There was a, a hilarious spoof ad that was running around for a long time for the uh, the Ford Crown Victoria that basically addressed <laughs> that it was, it, was, it was for lazy, overweight people. It was a hilarious ad. Yeah, the Crown Vic, man. Yeah, I remember the Crown Vic. Yeah. Uh, Oh, God. Anybody you know ever have a Crown Vic? A lot of people bought that I knew, and this was just a thing that car guys did, bought used Crown Vics that were retired police cars. Right. And and there were some advantages to that because they were relatively good handling vehicles. And that, that drivetrain, that old school V8 and four-speed automatic, were bulletproof. And there were all sorts of parts out there to keep these things running because yeah. they were popular in fleets. They were also used uh, sometimes for limousines. Or the similar Lincoln um, town car was. So yeah. these things are on the road forever, and they were relatively cheap at auction. So you could buy them and, and know that you could easily maintain them. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. The old Crown Vic. Man, I haven't heard that name in a long time. That's been It's been retired time. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And they were cop cars for a while, huh? For a very long time. And somehow, some way, Ford held on to that market. And, and now, if, if people have noticed, they're, they're mostly Ford Explorers. Uh, and Ford doesn't call them Explorers. They're, they're pursuit vehicles. But, but right. it's basically that vehicle. It's beefed up for police duty. But for some reason, that seems to be the only police car that, that police uh, agencies buy anymore. Isn't that crazy? I like, I like the fact that there are, like, you can, you know, there are certain makes of a cop. Like in uh, the Blues Brothers, cop, it's a cop car. It's got cop yep. brakes. You know, it's got cop shocks. The whole, <laughs> the whole thing at the beginning of the Blues Brothers, where he talks it's, about it, the, it's a model made before catalytic converters, so it'll run well on regular yeah, gas. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. That's fantastic. You know, it's funny. Um, you know, um, did you know? So there are certain ki- types of cars that you know that are used to be taxis. Correct. I mean, don't uh-huh. they use? And and cop cars, and also, um, what about cars? I mean, this is old, this is an old question because I'm an old man. You you and I are the same age. We're old. Yep. Um, what, what what car did you take driver's ed when you were in school? I did. Okay. What kind of car did you drive during uh, during driver's ed? Of course, I exactly remember. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was the Chevrolet Citation, which was pretty darn um, new at the time, and yeah. an Oldsmobile Cutlass, a four door Cutlass midsize okay. sedan. Okay, okay, because we drove the Fairmont, the ah. Ford, and we we drove. I, I went to Ta- I went I went to uh, to Taft. For, I didn't go to Taft for high school, but for driver's ed. Okay, and they had a fleet of Ford Fairmonts. That's what we drove. That's what I. That's what I drove it. What a bare bones car that was. I know, man. Yeah. Are you kidding? So it let me like, ask you this: It was like a caricature of a car. It was. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to describe it. That is a perfect way to describe it. So, you know, Esmeralda and I were talking about the nightmare experience we had uh, doing the traffic portion of driver's ed in school because we both had um, uh, an asshole in the uh, passenger seat who had access to the brake, you know, the extra brake. And he was a maniac. He was a nut. And he made me a nervous wreck. And I I didn't go back. I didn't go back for the final because this guy made me such a nervous wreck. He kept stopping and screaming at me. And... um, and, and, and Esmeralda had the same experience, not with the same person, but she freaked out so much as a 16-year-old kid that she didn't get her license for like a year and a half after that. Wow. Yeah. See, I, I, had, I, took, I went to Front High School, and I took driver's ed at Front High School. And 
Palatine, Illinois, back in 81, 82, there was no traffic. So we, we actually didn't encounter much in the way of traffic. There wasn't a yeah. lot of white knuckle trying to weave our way through the city. There was none of that. We got on the Route 53, and that was about the, the, that was the extent thing we had. To yeah. Do. yeah. Well, I mean, this guy, but I'll tell you something. It was really strange because there were three other kids in the backseat of the car, and they drove before me. And I don't oh. know why there were five. You know, I don't know why there were five people in the car. I don't. I, I'm not sure that's that's supposed to be safe. But um, I remember he was he was very nice to the other three people, and I was the last one to drive that day. So when I got in the front seat to drive, he was being a complete maniac, like slamming on the uh. brake for no reason and yelling. And I guess maybe I was the the example that day. To, you know, I don't know. But it freaked me out huh. so bad I didn't go back. And the same thing happened to Esmeralda. She had a person who was slamming on the brake and being really mean. And I mean, that's enough to – I mean, you're a new driver. You don't want people to be – all of a sudden the car stops, you know, because this idiot's slamming on, the, on his side on the brake. It just – that's really unnerving. The thing we got yelled at for was not using enough throttle to merge onto Route 53. And oh, it was sure. kind of a funny situation. I'm driving this – this horrifyingly slow, nasty-sounding V6 Cutlass, and, yeah. and he's screaming for me to hit the gas. So I'm like, I'm on the gas. This car sucks. You yeah. know? <laughs> it's These not are... my fault. My fault. Get yeah. some better cars, man. Yeah. This is a terrible time to learn to drive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we learned to drive at the same time, Tom. You and I yeah. are the same age, so uh, your experience a little bit different than mine. But uh, but Esmeralda and I both had, and we didn't know that. And I've known Esmeralda for many years, and we never talked about how we learned how to drive. And we both share the traumatic maniac car instructor. <laughs> we both you know. Now, how did you do on the? Did you have fun on the uh, simulators? Those were always a blast. The old <laughs> simulators. And the films that they had, we were talking about like the, you know, the eight millimeter films that they had. Like uh, we, like you said, like in 80, I think I was taking, I, I think I was taking drivers at 81, I, I guess it was like 81 or 82, something like that. Yeah. Um, and the films were like from 1960, you know, like that <laughs> you're driving down, you're driving, you, you, you're in a time machine when you go into the, into the uh, simulators, because clearly you're like, you're, you're driving like a Buick from 1961, you know, it's a completely different uh, uh, feel. Was that the same thing that happened to you? And did you guys do the simulators when you were there? We did the simulators, and they were in um, like a tractor trailer. Yeah, out exactly. behind the yeah. school. Exactly, man. Exactly. And I wasn't sure if we were being hauled off to a death camp or what was going on <laughs> as we walked into these things. Like I'm walking into the back of a tractor trailer, and and there's these little booths, and, right? And there's no weight or feel to the steering wheel, to the brake or the pedal. Nothing. You're watching this movie, and there's absolutely no haptic feedback of any sort. So you have no idea if you're yeah. acting within any sort of reasonable parameter of what they expect. And afterwards, you get some sort of output that some goes like, you have to be a little more careful when you turn. And I'm like, do you really know that? And yeah. It's just a bunch of dots on a piece of paper. And I'm, I'm not sure we learned anything today. No, no, not at all. Now, and then the, no. the, 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 the the simulator you used, did it have, because ours did, a three-on-the-tree shifter? It did. Yes. Yes, it we did. We weren't supposed to use it, but we were right. all intrigued right. by it. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It did. It had that. You're absolutely right. It did, yeah. God. What is this for? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. What a weird time. What a weird time. Hey, by the way, before we get into it, I want to talk about uh, favorite car ads, because you did something with the 56 Nash. Yeah. Uh, and I want to talk about child safety seats because that's always fun. But uh, listen, I just wanted to mention to you that over the weekend I watched uh, there's the new Michael Mann movie, Ferrari, is coming uh -huh. out. 
and I watched it, and I was not thrilled about it. But I didn't know that it was going to be about. Now, do you do you do you know much about uh, about Ferrari and, and and the history of the man and the races and stuff that they did in the fifties? Yeah, I know a little bit about Ferrari. Very aggressive guy, uh, and not popular with uh, his colleagues. But yes, uh, yes, yeah, kind of kind of famously a jerk, which is the whole point of Ford versus Ferrari, really. Right. Uh, but but yeah, I know a little bit about Ferrari history. Well, this one takes place in 1957 at an Italian. I forget the name of the race. And I just watched the movie two days ago. Um, at a famous like uh, uh, like Le Mans, but in Italy, like a long term race. Okay. Uh, and uh, and it took place in 1957, and it was a horrible accident from on the Ferrari team. There was a horrible accident where people died and everything. And the movie is about building up to that. Now, I didn't know anything about this accident, and that's kind of what the movie builds up to the climax to. Um, yeah, and he was famously careless about all that stuff. I don't know anything about the movie, and I haven't seen the movie. But Yeah, well, it but, doesn't open yeah. for a couple of weeks. But I'm, oh, I'm okay. Here, yeah, it doesn't come I saw it, I saw a screener of it, so, so I saw it ahead of time because I have to put my list of best and worst movies and stuff together. Um, and so I've seen everything already. But this doesn't open until, I think, the end of December. But when you see it, Tom, please let me know what you think uh, when you check it out. Because I didn't know the history of it. I didn't know this incident. I didn't know about the race or anything like that. I was underwhelmed by the movie. I didn't like it very much. Okay. But I'd be curious, from your point of view, as a car guy and a guy who knows you know, Ferrari history at least a little bit, uh, and then maybe you know, you know a little bit more about the actual accident and incident that happened, um, your perspective to me would be really, really fascinating and, and, and interesting. So when you see it, you know, let me know what you think. I, yeah, I would love to, and I've got to see this movie now. One of the interesting things, though, is going in is is that's just sort of in the auto world. It's just understood that that Ferrari pushed things too hard. Yeah, that's just yeah. sort of the understanding going in. And he, he was famously a jerk. Adam Driver plays him in this. Nice name to have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Adam Driver plays Ferrari, and his wife is played by Penelope Cruz, and one of the drivers is played by Patrick Dempsey. Um, uh-huh. And um, uh, you know, I don't know. I'd be curious to see what you. Michael Mann directed it, and he did Heat and Thief, and you know, Public Enemies and stuff like that, and Manhunter. So Chicagoan. He's made a lot of interesting yeah. movies that people really like. Um, and so it's got a lot of you know, it's got a lot of prestige behind it. It just didn't do it for me. But as a car guy, I'm really curious to see what you think of it. It comes out by the end of the year. It's it's just called Ferrari. So let yeah, me know what you get- think. If you get to see old Ferraris rolling around right there, that's something. No, you get to see it right out of the gate. That's the first thing you see. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So, so you, I think, I think on that level alone, there's going to be much more enjoyment for you than there was for me. So that's all I'm going to say. So anyway, that's a recommendation. I want to, and I, and I definitely Thank you. Ma- yeah. make sure, make sure you let me know what you think after you see it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So the 1956 Nash, uh, and 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 your little tagline on on what you sent me was child safety seats. Nah. <laughs> so this is part of the favorite car ad series that you do all the time on the blog. Tell me about the 56 Nash and the, and the, and the ads. Yeah, the 56 Nash. Nash was sort of a secondary car maker, or sometimes referred to as a junior or an independent, yeah. which means that it, it wasn't part of General Motors or Chrysler or Ford at the time, yeah. uh, or, or American Motors, or what would become American. It, it was actually part of American Motors, but that's complicated but but here's here's an ad it was a national ad campaign and the beauty of this ad is is just how simple life was in those days and right. it's it's selling travel as comfortable and, and it's it's the world's finest travel car right. that's the ad's tagline and right. what it shows is the front passenger seat folded down to form a bed on which two kids are sleeping yeah and i love this because now, in the background, you can see an amusement park. It's not clear that they're driving, but Dad is clearly driving. 
Yes. And mom's in the backseat. There isn't a seatbelt in sight. And these, nope. kids, these kids are completely untethered, just right. sleeping on the, in the car there. <laughs> yeah. and, and everything is good because it's a comfortable car. Exactly. And, and for safety, there's some mention here of how strong the structure of the vehicle is and great yeah. brakes and things like that. But the beauty of this is you and I, as kids, rode around in cars completely untethered. And I, I, unbelievable, yeah. No yeah. one thought about it. No. Like, no one felt guilty about it. And, yeah. and it's just times have changed. And I guess we know better, but it's, it's more that we had, it's easier to worry about that stuff now because there were fewer other problems, I guess. So, yeah. completely innocent ad here, but it does really drive home the point. That it's really safe, funny. Yeah. Yeah. The world's finest travel car, it's the 56 Nash. You got to check this out because the picture is hilarious. It's two kids just. And everybody, you know, the dad is happily driving and mom's just looking, gazing at the kids. Oh, they're so relaxed and sleepy, you know. And again, they're just laying there. Uh, but I, I love the opening paragraph, uh, Tom, because you and I, like, you know, as we've said several times, you and I are, are, are the same age. Um, and your, your opening paragraph, and I just want to read it, is, if you're my age, you giggle a little every time you read or watch something about child safety, at least child safety as it relates to car travel. I was born in 1965, as I was as well. And about the closest my parents ever came to worrying about my well-being in the car was not allowing me to open the door while the vehicle was in motion. <laughs> and then, fun fact, I did, in fact, open the car door several times while it was in motion. This was back when spanking was still a thing. Good times. I love <laughs> that paragraph, Tom. Because, <laughs> you know, people who are younger than us or much younger than us have, are like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can remember bouncing around in the back of my dad's Torino while, you know, well, he's doing 60, you know, and, and actually I was small enough to sleep underneath the back window above the back. You know what I mean? That little. Yeah. Sp- I used to lay in there. I used to lay into that slot. I and, did too. Uh, the parcel shelf. I f- yeah. First of all, I fit up there, which is crazy. But then right. I would just go up there and no one would say anything. Yeah. No. Just go ahead. And let the kid. <laughs> oh, he must. He must be tired. He's laying underneath the window, the back window. And then. You know, and, and, and other cars in traffic would see a kid jammed underneath the back window of the car, and you'd be like, oh, hi, and you'd wave. You know, <laughs> perfectly natural, perfectly yep, natural. Yep. Yep. Nothing weird about it at all. Nothing weird if about cop, it at all. If a cop drove by, they'd wave. They'd wave. Hey, good. <laughs> you know, I remember actually, I remember actually, like, hurting my head on the window, the back window of the car in my dad's Torino just because my dad made a left. You know what I mean? That's... <laughs> That's all he did. He made a left, and suddenly I was like, boom! I was like, what the... F-? So, but yeah, it was all right. I had rubbed some dirt on it, kid. You know, that was, like, that was what it was, you know? Like, shut up. So, all right. So, the 56 Nash, please, you guys, check out that ad at Consumer Guide uh, in the blog uh, area because it's absolutely hilarious. So, um, okay. Really quickly, tell me about the Tesla Cybertruck, which was mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, what's the story behind that? And the fanboys are disappointed? What's going on there? Yeah, the Cybertruck, which is, if you haven't seen it, uh, we've got an article about uh, about that called What is the Cybertruck at ConsumerGuide.com, but it's this yeah. ridiculous thing that Elon Musk introduced a few years ago, and it's stainless steel, and it's, it's really sharp-edged and wedgy-looking, and it's supposed to be a pickup truck, uh, which pickup truck fans are pretty upset about they're like how will this work as a pickup truck but the market the intended market early on is early adopters not actually people who are going to tow or haul but but this vehicle has has just really captured the attention of tesla fans the tesla roddy as we call them and they were really looking forward to this launch and they finally reviewed the vehicle last week and unfortunately it doesn't live up to many of the promised um 
many of the promised uh, characteristics of the original vehicle way back in its concept car launch. And it was supposed to have 500 miles of range and be very fast and be very affordable. It was supposed to come in at 40 grand. And the vehicle that they showed uh, comes in at $61,000, uh, only has 250 miles of range and isn't particularly quick. Mm. So these are all big disappointments. Further, that vehicle that they showed, the base vehicle, $61,000, not going to be available for a while. There'll be two other versions, uh, one that starts at eighty and one that starts at hundred grand. Uh, so they're very expensive. And, and Tesla oh. claims to have a million, or depending on the day, two million people in line waiting to get this car who have put deposits down. Sure. And, and those deposit holders right now are trying to back out. At least yeah. some of them are. We know this because... They don't. Instead of forty grand, the least you can get into it right now for a year is eighty grand. Jeez, uh, big bump. Wow. Okay. All right. So keeping an eye on the Tesla Cybertruck. Cybertruck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The Cybertruck. Wow. That's a hell of a name. I'll tell you that. All right. <laughs> It uh, is. And everything that we've talked about is covered uh, uh, in the world of Consumer Guide Automotive, so you can check yes. that out and check out the blog and check out uh, the, uh, the podcast and so much more. All right. Now, one of the fun things that we talk about that you do on a regular basis, if you follow Tom on the social medias and on Facebook, Tom does this thing called hashtag Star Spotter. Yeah. Uh, where Tom likes to watch old TV, particularly old TV Western shows, Western yes. TV shows. Uh, and then when you spot someone who's famous or from other movies or a big-time actor or actress, you love to take a screenshot picture of it, post it on, um, on, on your social medias and call it Star Spotter. And I always have a blast. So what stars have you spotted in the, in, in the last month or so? I've been really busy, and I haven't had that much time, but I did find some good spotting. I did do yeah. some good spotting this month, yeah. including Lee Majors. All on, all on Gunsmoke this time. Uh, uh, Lee Majors. Very young Lee Majors on Gunsmoke. Uh, mm. John Saxon now, on Gunsmoke. See, now, I, you know, for regular listeners uh, who have listened to me back uh, in the days when I was on the car wash and all the other places and other things, I happen to love John Saxon. He's one of my yeah. favorites. I, there's, a, there's a core group of my friends, there are about seven or eight of us, who worship John Saxon. <laughs> like, love him every time we see him in movies, every time we see him on TV. It's like, yeah, John Saxon! We are like the presidents of the John Saxon fan club. And when you posted the picture of John Saxon, I just smiled. Now, what did he play on Gunsmoke? Because there were a lot of times when John Saxon, uh, you know, was cast like as a Mexican or, you know, he, yeah, you know that, that kind that. of thing. Yeah, and his real name is Carmen Arrico. He was Italian. Um, oh. Carmine Arrico, I should say. Um, and, but he got cast in every sort of ethnicity where you could have olive skin and pass for anything. You know what I mean? Uh, so what did he play on? What did John Saxon play on Gunsmoke on this episode? Oh, he was playing a white guy, but he was a, he was sort of a ne'er do well drifter who was a little bit gun happy. Yeah, and, and he drifted into uh, he drifted into Dodge, and, uh, and uh, Marshall Dillon knew who he was and didn't want him there, and yeah. somehow allowed him to stay. And of course, he got into trouble. He pushed his luck, got into trouble, uh, and did end up dead. So, oh no, they he, killed John Saxon in yeah. the, in Gunsmoke. Now, did, was he mustacheless? He, he was mustacheless, and I'm trying to remember. He was frequently covered with mud, which okay. was entertaining. Yeah. All right. Okay. Because whenever they put a mustache on him, that immediately means he's Mexican. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if, he, if he's in an old Western TV show or an, in an old Western movie, you, put a, you, you give him a big, thick – he can grow a big, thick mustache. John Saxon used to be able to grow a big, thick mustache. As soon as he got the big, thick mustache, they were like, oh, you must be Mexican. And they would cast him <laughs> – they would cast – they'd put a sombrero on him with the bullets around him. You know what I mean? And they would turn him into – Yeah. Like, yeah, and that was John Saxon. What did what did Lee Majors play in uh, in Gunsmoke as a young Lee Majors? 
It was a relatively small role. He played the son of a guy who had a vendetta against Marshall Dillon. Oh. So he rode into town. He was supposed to shoot somebody, failed, and came back, got beat up by his dad. And he was kind of done with the episode then. So oh, okay. rel- relatively early and okay. minor role. Yeah. Now, and, and, and the next one, also on gun, all of them, by the way, this week are Gunsmoke. Uh, so who's the next one here? Catherine Ross Love of Gunsmoke, playing an incredible bitch. Uh, really? Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, she was just playing this horrible, horrible, spoiled person, and, and it's, it's a great episode. She's really good in this role. Uh, it's, it's, interesting, it's interesting to hate Catherine Ross. I know, right? Uh, it doesn't come natural. It doesn't. And, you know, especially on a Western because she's in Butch Cassidy and you love her in Butch Cassidy. Yeah. You know, and so it's weird to, like, see her maybe be evil on Gunsmoke. And you're like, wait a minute. She was just riding around on a, mo- on a, on a bicycle with Paul Newman yeah, singing. She's raindrops nice. keep, she's Raindrops keep falling on my head. What's going on? You know. <laughs> All right. So evil Catherine Ross on Gunsmoke. Yep. And then uh, a double. You got a, you got a, you got a double here on the next one. Yeah, great episode. George Lindsay, yeah. who was who I always forget Gomer and Goober, but he was Goober. He was Goober, yes. He was Goober and Lou yeah. Grant. Uh, right. Ed Asner, Asner on Gunsmoke. Yeah. yeah. Ed Asner playing a drunken belligerent army no. sergeant. No. <laughs> Ed Asner Ed Asner playing a drunk belligerent guy? No. Yeah, go figure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how did they do? Was it were they integral to the was it was there was there a lot of big a big plot points around Ed Asner and George Lindsay or George, uh, the, the Lou Grant character was, was central to the episode, actually. Okay. He, I, love he that you, in, I love that yeah. you refer to him as Lou Grant. Lou Grant. <laughs> you refer to him as Lou Grant. I'll refer to him as the old man from Up. That's how, okay. we'll, that's, that, that's yeah. how we'll do it. That. So Mr. Grant uh, gets into trouble with, uh, with, the, sheriff, with the marshal. Right. And, and, and as things turn, he ends up in a position to cause some serious trouble for the marshal. I see. Uh, and, so and, what it, is Goob, ends, and what does Goober do? Not much. Oh, okay. uh, he's there, but I think he's just one of the uh, one of the army. Okay. Pilots. All right. Yeah. Okay. Those are great, man. I love that, and I think people should follow you on Facebook uh, because you do the hashtag Star Spotter. It's always a blast. And uh, and uh, does your wife still go? Oh God, here he goes again. We are actually between shows right now, so we're watching back episodes of Gunsmoke together. Uh, oh. I, I don't know. I don't know why she's tolerating that, but we've been watching. <laughs> but it's nice. We're watching on Paramount. Without yeah. commercials, sure. And I'm seeing three or four minutes of content I've never seen before that got lost in syndication. Sure, so it's kind of exciting. It is. It's pretty cool. You know, it's amazing yeah. how much they cut out. I mean, I, I as as crazy as this even sounds, they cut stuff out of Three's company, like on certain, you know, on certain uh, uh, channels, they'll cut out like two or three minutes of an intro for Three's company coming back from commercials and stuff like that. And uh, and like they they even cut out. I mean, I can you know, it's weird. It's not even that's not even an hour show. It's a half an hour sitcom. It's weird. Yeah, the, the Andy Griffith show, which I love, by the way. I haven't yeah. watched it seriously in years and years and years, but yeah. someone had bought me a VHS of Andy Griffith shows when I was very young. Yeah. And I was stunned on those to see that after the last commercial break, there was two minutes of content that was completely axed from syndication. Isn't that crazy? And, and it wasn't central to the episode. It was just kind of fun yeah. and additional content. Yeah. And I'd never seen that stuff before. And that's when I first learned about what gets axed when they syndicate this stuff. Yeah. See, this is why, you know, like everybody's talking about how you shouldn't have actual like DVDs or anything like that. Everything's gone. Everything should be streaming. But you never know what you're going to get, you know? No. It's, 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 you, know you're, you are at the mercy of the streaming service. You know, um, if they want to show you an edited version of these shows, you're going to get an edited version of the show. I don't know. Yep. All right. Speaking of shows, you also do hashtag mystery show and tell everyone what this is, what you what 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 the setup here is for this. 
Yeah, I dig around and I try to find shows that no one remembers. Yeah. Uh, usually that only ran a season. And a stunning number of these failures were produced and directed by Gary Marshall. <laughs> he, did who, a lot of, he did a lot of them, yeah. <laughs> you know, that guy, that guy just scored with a couple of huge shows, and they would let him do anything. Anything, yeah, anything. And the amount, the amount it's, it's crazy because I know that you've, you've learned about this in doing your mystery show now for, for a while. But the amazing amount of stuff that this guy was just like, yeah, I'll just turn this into a TV show, make this into a TV show. It's, it's amazing. Now, the one that you found here, tell me, about, tell us about this one. This show was called Nothing in Common, and it ran right. in 1987. There was just seven episodes of it. And I guess, and I don't remember the movie, it was a follow-up to a Tom Hanks movie the year prior by the same name. Yeah. Also, uh, by the way, let me just tell you this. Jackie Gleason played his father, and Tom Hanks played the son. It was called Nothing in Common. And okay. you, know who, you know who directed it? I don't. Gary Marshall. <laughs> oh, well, there you have it. There it is. <laughs> I should have known that. <laughs> I should have known that. So I wasn't even, I don't even remember them making a television version, but it only lasted seven episodes, but they did a TV version of Nothing in Common and tell everybody who was in it. The only guy I recognize is Bill Macy, who's the guy that played Maud's husband on Maud. Right. Uh, which is not a big draw for me. Right. And then the other two, who were the other two on it? I have no idea. I just threw their names out here. Todd, Todd? Waring yeah. and Wendy Kilborn were the next we two. Wendy Kilborn, I remember the name a little bit. Todd Waring, I have no idea. Now, I, 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 I imagine that Todd Waring played the Tom Hanks role and that Bill Macy played the Jackie Gleason role. That would be my guess. Okay, that makes so, sense. Yeah. All right, lasted one season, seven episodes, your mystery show, the television, the television version of Nothing in Nothing in common. All right. Okay. Um, what What are you working on next at uh, Consumer Guide so people can check it out? Uh, Tom, what are you looking forward to? Anything? Uh, I'm, I'm getting our best buys ready to put live right now. So that's all our right. list of all the of the all the best vehicles uh, available for sale in 2024. That's a big that's a big thing. All right. Uh, been a great year, Tom. We will uh, we'll jump back at it for the for the people, and uh, we'll talk to you in January. Well, I'm looking forward to it. All Thanks. right, Tom. Have a great have a great holidays. You too. Okay, buddy. Okay. Yeah. See you later. There's the great Tom Appel. He's great. Check out consumerguide.com, Consumer Guide Automotive. Uh, 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 he's the best. Uh, and, and you know who else is the best? My dad at Telling Jokes, and here it is. Ooh, it's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! That's right. Even though it's a For the People episode, that doesn't stop my dad from busting in and telling a joke, and that's what he's doing right now. Go ahead, Dad. Hit it. What did the pickle say when he playing cards? Dill me in. Dill me in. See? Dill me in. Dill me in. See? Get it? Dill. Pickle. Me. In. All right. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. He'll do it again next Tuesday, as he always does. 
My thanks to you for listening to the Nick T Podcast. Uh, we're going to hit episode 200 and on that next episode. It'll be a visit from Eric Childress and T. Procopi. Lots of the holiday movies are still uh, in bloom coming out. we got a lot of movies to talk about by the end of the year. The best of lists will be coming up. The worst of lists. 2023, interesting and, uh, and kind of great year for movies. We'll talk about that with Eric and Steve on the next podcast. And, of course, Esmeralda Leon will be back to join me to celebrate episode number 200. And thank you for listening. Please spread the word and rate and review us and tell everybody about us and subscribe and listen and all that cool stuff. All the great podcasts at RadioMisfits.com. Leave a voicemail 24-7-773-417-6948. Drop us an email anytime, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Sponsor us. Advertise with us. We want it. You want it. You know you do. Let us know. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Thank you to Jason Skaggs. Thank you to Ed and everybody else. And thank you for listening. And thank you to Herb and to Tom for another a great version of For the People. So thank you. And uh, we will see you next time on the Nick D Podcast.